We're going to be looking into the cha- uh, Mark chapter 1. And the title of this morning's message is The Importance of Intimacy with God. I was debating a little bit this past week if this message um, would strike a little bit to our hearts as shallow because it's something that a lot of us take a part in every day and hopefully every week and month in our lives. But as we all prepare to bring in a new year, I wanted to leave us with an encouragement. An encouragement that I pray goes beyond simply making the same resolutions we make each year. But instead, setting for our lives a purpose to walk with Christ intimately each day. So let's read Mark chapter 1, verses 29 to 39. And immediately he left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with the fever, and immediately they told him about her. And she began to serve them. That evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons. And the whole city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place. And there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. And they found him and said to him, everyone's looking for you. And he said to them, let us go on to the next towns, that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. Let's pray for this morning's message. Lord, we thank you. We thank you that once again, we get to hear your word. We get to hear you speak into our lives and our hearts. God, we thank you for another year. Another year to live and God, hopefully, to bring you glory. And I pray that this morning, God, as you speak through me, as I am your vessel and you speak through me, Holy Spirit, God, that we would hear the truth of why it is truly important to seek out intimacy with you. Why, God, you have called us closer and deeper. That we would know you, that we would enjoy you, and that we would glorify you. So I pray, God, that it would be you who speaks, be you that is glorified, and you who is honored. We thank you, Lord. Amen. So every morning, we all wake up, and, and maybe you eat breakfast, maybe you don't. Maybe some of you drink coffee, some of you guys drink tea. We run to work, run errands, we get back, spend time with our kids, have dinner, and maybe we even have some free time in between. And then we go to sleep. And then we wake up the mo- next morning and do it all over again. Not to mention everything in between that grabs at our attention. There are probably things I didn't mention that are part of your daily, weekly, and monthly routines and schedules. And somewhere in there, maybe, and hopefully, there's time in the Word and time in prayer and in fellowship here at church with one another. And we try to cultivate our relationship with Christ. Of course, all of that is easier said than done. See, even though we are the most technologically advanced generation in the history of the world, with advances that have allowed us to do things more quickly and efficiently, 
We have movies and lattes at our fingertips. We don't have to leave home to purchase all that we need. We have Bible apps and we can quickly read devotionals we find on social media or through our email. Even with all of that, it still hasn't slowed our lives down. Instead, it has actually made us more distracted and time-consumed. See, we don't use time-saving advancements to loosen our schedules, but quite the opposite. We find ways to fill them to the point of overwhelming exhaustion. For a lot of us, it has left us wanting. The fight for time, for rest, and for solitude is all too real. See, some of us are going to spend tomorrow making resolutions to set more time apart to rest and, and to be with the Lord. We will resolve to spend time with our kids, spouses, friends, and family. And unfortunately for most of us, as it is the same when we resolve to go to the gym and work out more this year, we will fall short of our resolutions. Even though we acknowledge our need and we know how desperate our situation is, we will fail to meet our desired goal. The chaos of life will happen. We'll miss various opportunities to find the time. We will struggle to cultivate intimacy with our Father. We have forgotten or never really acknowledged why this is so crucial and important. Jesus, in our passage this morning, and really through the example that he set throughout his life, demonstrates to us the importance of stealing away with the Father, even in the midst of all of life's crazy demands. And Jesus, of course, was no stranger to the demands of this life. Just a few verses before our passage, he had just finished teaching in the synagogue on the Sabbath. In fact, he healed a man while at the synagogue. Then he moves on to the home of Simon's mother-in-law, and he heals her there as well. And then it says in verses 32 to 34, that at evening, at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons. And the whole city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. It's sundown, the Sabbath ends, and as soon as people are allowed, they come to see Jesus. You can just picture the people lining up. It says the whole city gathered. People gathering, waiting to see the Messiah, waiting to hear from the teacher. From the sick to the demon-possessed, the needs of the people come upon Jesus. And Jesus, compassion-filled, filled with mercy, he heals the sick and casts out the demons. This, after all, it, it was his call. It was who he was called to be and do. That through these works, he would demonstrate who he is and that in turn, he would bring glory to the Father. See, Jesus' authority and power is very much present. And on top of it all, it had been a full day for Jesus. A worthwhile of work. Teaching in the synagogue, healing mother-in-laws, and then healing numerous sick and demon-possessed people. After a full day like that, if any of us experienced a full day like that, we can excuse Jesus if he slept in the next morning. Actually, if he took some self-care time and had a slow morning, we would excuse him. But instead, he's up early, 
before the rising of the sun. Or as verse 35 says, and rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate, or another way of saying that is a deserted place, a place of solitude, and there he prayed. See, Jesus goes looking for a true place of rest. He goes to the place where we truly find real care, where we find our truest self. And that is in the presence of his Father, a place where he could find solitude, not thinking of the demands that are up ahead. Instead, it says, there he prayed. He wanted and needed the communion and fellowship with God. He knew that in this place of solitude and prayer is where he would hear his father speak and he would speak to him as well. So most likely, he fights against being tired and he goes to get to that place of solitude where he could be with the father. Now, we don't know what Jesus prayed, but I like what David Guzik has to say on the matter. He says, we don't know exactly what Jesus prayed for, but as much as anything, Jesus used this time of prayer for that close, intimate communion with God the Father that he longed for, which nourished and strengthened his soul. We can also surmise that Jesus prayed for himself. He prayed for his disciples. He prayed for those he met and ministered to the previous night. He prayed for those he would meet and minister to that coming day. There he prayed. Jesus doesn't simply rise with the morning and continue all that he was doing back to the grind and the work of the day, off to the sick and possessed to preach the gospel, good and right things. After all, this was what he was called to do. And it's just like our approach. We see the responsibilities. We have our schedules at hand. We have our families We see the needs of the people in our lives, the needs of our jobs. And what do we do? Instead, we make the excuse. Well, I don't have that time. Work is kind of crazy right now. Or or it's just a little bit hectic at home. Once, Once things slow down, then I could get back to it. Then Jesus and I could continue to meet again. But instead... Jesus, in view of everything ahead of him, intentionally seeks this important time. Jesus, fully God and fully man, knows he needs to steal away to be with his Father. And this wasn't also a one-off for the Lord. It's not just this one separate time that we find here in the Gospel of Mark. This was a practice of Jesus' life. In fact, the Gospels continuously depict this. In Luke chapter 6, verse 12, it says, During those days, he went out to the mountain to pray and spent all night in prayer to God. For Jesus, this was a way of life. This was important for Jesus. He spent all night in prayer. Matthew 14 says, After dismissing the crowds, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray well into the night. He was there alone. Jesus looks for and spends the time in prayer, in solitude. In turn, it begs us to ask ourselves this question. What was Christ trying to teach us? 
In fact, he's also never oblivious to what is ahead and what the demands are. This is actually clear in verses 36 and 37 when the disciples and Peter approach him. It says, And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. And they found him and said to him, Everyone is looking for you. See, although there, there is life and its demands are ahead of him, Jesus seeks to do what is truly important. He goes and prays. He goes and spends time with the Father. A point which Peter completely misses. From what we know of Peter, Peter does what Peter always does, the Peter thing. Hey, um, Jesus, I don't, I don't know what you're doing over here, but everybody is looking for you. See, he, he doesn't get it. He doesn't see it, doesn't understand the importance. Yes, of course, there is a demand for Jesus. Yes, he's the Messiah. Why wouldn't there be a demand for the Lord? The crowds are looking for him. They want to meet and speak to the man who has authority, the authority to heal them. The one thing the one who has the, this healing touch and power. See, Peter and those he was with see the chaos and excitement. They see what's going on around him, and they want to focus on that. This is what's going on over here. Here are the crowds. Here's the attention. Here's the demands. They see what's going on around them, and they put their focus on that. Their priorities are all out of order. For them, they seek to take advantage of what's going on. It sounds a lot like in the midst of life's responsibilities, the different things that pop up, how I would react to the demands of this life. It's been a month for me since I stepped out of my role as the youth director here. And one thing that I would ha- thought <laughs> would happen this month is that I would slip into a time of rest, reflection, and spending time with the Lord. You know, you know what I'm talking about. You guys have sought this before. Jesus and I taking romantic walks on the beach and adventuring in the wilderness and experience the highest, the spiritual highs. But <laughs> I've actually struggled to find that time. I spent time applying and testing for different law enforcement agencies, taking care of a sick puppy, <laughs> and consumed by all the holiday events and family time. Now, Please, don't get me wrong. These aren't bad things. Well, maybe the puppy being sick is. But spending time with family, applying, having my responsibilities ahead of me and completing those responsibilities, those are the things that each and every one of us is called to do each and every day. But the Lord reminds me, specifically when I begin to neglect my time with Him, come, come be with me. Do you know you need to pray? Are you truly seeking me? Do you truly desire to bring me glory? Or is your focus elsewhere? See, God is saying to me that in his presence is where I hear him. That in his presence is where I truly find life and joy. That when I seek him, when I trust him, when I put my life in his arms, that is the place that I bring him glory. And I love the way that John Piper explains this. He says, God aims to exalt himself by working for those who wait for him. Prayer is the essential activity of waiting for God, acknowledging our helplessness and his power, calling on him for help, seeking his counsel. 
since his purpose in the world is to be exalted for his mercy, it is evident why prayer is so often commanded by God. Prayer is the antidote for the disease of self-confidence, which opposes God's goal of getting glory by working for those who wait for him. Jesus' example in Mark 1 Piper's explanation here, they attack how I view life and all of its responsibilities and demands. Maybe it's not just me. Maybe, maybe you're right there with me. And along with Peter and the disciples as well. See, our focus is in the wrong place. We have forgotten what is truly important. We all create, you create a list of to-dos that are cemented on your daily schedule. Maybe you're looking into 2019 and you're already creating that schedule, the things that you'll need to do that you must do. And maybe you're even trying really hard to resolute not to get into that type of grind that you did in 2018. But unfortunately, we lose focus. We allow life and the world to lead us to look elsewhere. See, it's all too easy to get wrapped up into the to-dos and the need of our lives. Maybe we shoot for the the status, the position at work. We want to achieve our place or maybe even a good and right thing with our family. We say, I'm just trying to do right by myself and my family. But God reminds us that his presence is where we actually find true life. In his presence, we find the way of life and blessing. Or as David said in Psalm 16, you reveal the path of life to me. Your presence is abundant joy. At your right hand are eternal pleasures. All too often, we miss and forget these glorious truths. See, God is the one who leads us, who wants to lead us. In God's presence, we experience and know true, everlasting joy. He holds the true, never-fading, eternal pleasures. So another question we must ask ourselves is where is our true affection? Have we put our affection, our desires, and even our pleasure elsewhere? Peter, he saw the crowds he saw what needed to be done and all the attention that Jesus garnered. We, we see and are distracted by life and all of its demands. He missed, we miss, what Jesus was demonstrating, the importance of time with God. We fail to see what is truly important. But how do we do this? How do we actually fail to see what is important? Well, the first thing that I believe that we do is that we think our knowledge is enough. But that's just it. My first point there is that our knowledge is not enough. See, we become confident in what we know. We think that our knowledge of God is enough to get us by. See, we may spend time in our word and may we even come to church and fellowship with the saints. But we trust in our knowledge of God to get us by relationally with God. We spend our lives developing the habit in knowing about God, but truly not knowing God. See, Jesus actually spoke on this when he addressed the religious leaders of the time in John 5. He said, you pour over the scriptures because you think you have eternal life in them. And yet they testify about me. 
You are not willing to come to me so that you may have life. See, we may know the scriptures, but we fail to understand what they point to. Biblical knowledge should fuel our intimacy with God. It should not fuel our pride in our knowledge of him. Another reason we fail to see why this is important, secondly, is because we forget that our life is his and he is ours. See, our, our affections are not for God. God, instead, instead of God, they're for ourself. The second point is God, our life is his and he is ours. We live to achieve what is good for us and in turn we fill ourselves with false pleasures. We do it daily. The things that we prefer over God, the things that we put before we even begin to pursue God because we forget that we are his and he is ours. Paul reminds us in Romans 14 of the correct view. If we live, we live for the Lord. And if we die, we die for the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. How good is that truth? See, we belong to the king. We belong to God. He is our father and we are his children. And we will remember this, that we are his and he is ours. Then we begin to seek and yearn for intimacy with the Lord. Nothing else will meet our greatest desires unlike God. No desire or pleasure will satisfy like God does. As Psalm 107 says, For he has satisfied the thirsty and filled the hungry with good things. Church, God is our portion. And he satisfies every need. In him we taste and see. And he is good. As we enjoy him then, as we begin to delight in his presence, we also begin to delight and glorify his name. And this is also something we fail to see. And here's the third point. We were made to glorify God. And we forget that. See, we were made to bring glory to his name and his kingdom. In seeking him, in fact, we are actually bringing him glory. Psalm 50 Verse 15 says this, Then call on me when you are in trouble, and I will rescue you, and you will give me glory. See, God makes his name known through the love and care of his people. When we seek intimacy with God, we're actually also bringing glory to God. When we desire God, when we trust God, when we hope in God, we bring honor to his name. Our trust, dependence, and even in his service towards us actually brings him glory as well. When we pray, when we admit that we can't do it without you, Lord. We can't do it without you, Christ. When we ask God to take the lead, to do his will, we bring his name glory. And then we begin to truly understand why intimacy with Christ is so beautiful. We see why it is important not just to seek out knowledge of God. We see why it is important that we are his and he is ours. Our lives will begin to glorify him. And Jesus, Jesus knew what was important. See, when Peter came proclaiming and calling on the Lord, hey, everybody's looking for you. 
His next move wasn't to head back into Capernaum and to receive all the attention. He didn't lose sight of what he was called to do. His response was actually different than what you would expect any one of us to do in light of the circumstances and demands. He says in verse 38, And he said to them, Let us go on to the next towns, that I may preach there also, for this is why I came out. And he went through all the Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. He doesn't stay in Capernaum to continue to receive the attention because people are looking for him. See, unlike Peter and unlike us and all of those who are following, the Lord knew who he was and where he was going. He knew why he had come. In John 6, it says, For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of the one who sent me. See, Jesus doesn't miss his purpose. Even in light of all that he's doing, even in light of all the crowds and the demands, because he has constantly been in communion, in fellowship, in relationship with God, he knows that he's called to do the will of the Father. For a lot of us, we know that we've been called to to believe and and to trust in the Lord. And maybe we're we're confident that we try to read our our Bible every day and, and we spend time in prayer and we even try to lead and raise our family in the ways of the Lord. But when we miss out the intimacy with Jesus, when we miss out on the intimacy with God, we begin to falter. We live this life in confusion and doubt. Our anxieties and worries overtake us. We lack peace and we lack the comfort that we experience in God. Why? Because we lack, because of our lack of intimacy. Because unlike Jesus, we have truly forgotten what is important. See, Scripture calls us to come to him in prayer when we experience anxiety. Scripture calls us to trust in him and lean out on our own understanding. It is he who gives true peace. Jesus knew that. Jesus had experienced already a relationship with his father and he desired nothing else. Jesus knew what was important. He knew the path. It is why he proclaimed in John 14, Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will also know my Father. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. See, what we must do in then, church, what we must do is follow Christ into an intimate relationship with the Father. He is the way. We find truth in him. We find life in Jesus. Jesus was compassionate to those he met and healed. We see story after story in the Gospels. In fact, John says, and all these things could not even be recorded. His love and mercy was displayed in every word he spoke and in every miracle that he performed. But Jesus' ultimate compassion, his ultimate demonstration of mercy would be seen in his end goal, the cross. He showed true compassion for those around him, not by staying with them, not by remaining in Capernaum, but by continuing towards the cross. That was the true mission. That mission, in its victory, would bring forth a historical and eternal change. Now, for all those who put their faith in him, for all those 
For all of us who put our faith in him, we are called children of God. Children that can now have communion with the Father. Children who can go to the places of solitude and be intimate with their Father. Children who gather together to bring him glory. Jesus knew that those intimate times of solitude that he spent with his Father, he was hearing the voice of his Father, you are called to do my will. I am well pleased in you. See, Jesus did not lose sight of what the Father had called him to do. He knew the end goal. In fact, as he's approaching that end goal, his death on the cross, in John 17, he prays, Jesus spoke these things, looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son so that the Son may glorify you. Since you gave him authority over all flesh so that he may give eternal life to everyone you have given him, This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and the one you have sent, Jesus Christ. That is the beauty of eternal life, that we would know our Father and he also in return knows us. See, Jesus would bring salvation and eternal life, an eternal life of us getting to know and experience the presence of God, experiencing and enjoying the importance of intimacy with our Father, experiencing and enjoying the fullness of joy in His presence. It is what we now are able to do. We can freely come to the throne of God because of what Christ did. We have been given the freedom to spend time and moments and days and weeks getting to know our Heavenly Father. See, this morning, as I end, I can end with an abundance of applicable instructions on how to seek God. If we all ventured to do so, we could probably write in our notebooks a list of things that will help me to do so. The myriad of ways we can adjust our schedules to make sure that we spend time with God. How we can spend time in the word and prayer and not neglecting to gather with one another. But this morning, and more than that, what we are called to do is ask God to change our affections. See, if we're not enamored with God, if we don't want to fall more in love with God, you're not going to desire intimacy with him. What is the things, what are our pleasures, what do we desire above all else? Is intimacy with the Lord more important than everything else that has been given to us? Or that we would be instead the people who call out as the psalmist does in Psalm 73. Who do I have in heaven but you? And I desire nothing on earth but you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart, my portion forever. Church, this morning, let's ask the Lord that he would change our affections, that we would desire and treasure intimacy with him. Let's ask our God, our Father, that he would, by the power of his Spirit, draw us closer and deeper. And may we endeavor, as we wake each morning, as the old English preacher Charles Spurgeon said, look no man in the face till thou hast seen the face of God. Speak thou with none till thou hast had speech with the Most High. Will we be the people that seek God, that are intimate with God, 
that desire God above all else. Lord, we thank you. We thank you because this morning is yours. We thank you, God, because this year has been yours. God, this passage and this word that you've just spoken is yours. Lord, I was tempted in the last couple weeks to completely change this up because it didn't feel deep enough or it wasn't different enough or maybe the deeper theology wasn't there, but God, you were reminding me that we too often forget this, that there is a deep importance in being intimate with you. And so I pray that over myself and over your people, God, that we would surrender the things, the desires, the pleasures of this life, even the good and right things that keep us from seeking you, that keep us from enjoying you, Lord. We pray, Lord, that you would do a a move, your work in our hearts and our minds, that we would seek you above all else. Lord, show us the ways. Show us the things that we're still hiding and holding on to that we have still yet to release to you. God, our schedules, our family, our jobs. God, are we holding so tightly that we have forgotten about the giver? Are we holding so tightly, Lord, that has kept us from seeking you? I pray, God, that we, your people, would desire you more. Church, as always, we have been given the opportunity, and I I would even dare to say the pleasure of being able to respond to the Lord in worship this morning. If there are things that you're still holding on to that you just need to come lay down to God, we have the carpets up here. It's not just meant to be a comfortable place for your knees, but it's meant to be a place where we come and we surrender to God. We say, Lord, forgive me. I'm holding on to this. I'm holding on so tightly that I have forgotten all about you. We also have the opportunity with the prayer team to my left and to my right to come. If you need to come, confess with a brother or sister. If you need prayer, let's get together. Let's seek God. Let's ask God. And then we could also come and take communion. Let's remember what Jesus did. 